Thompson, Sheila Rimes, Louise Nelson, Rosemary Evans, Judah Wolf, Marcia Hill, Ruth Jones, Katie Trout, Gil Moreno, Rodonna Nichols, Charles Ray Claxon, Rusty Bowling, Montana McLean, Betty Moore, Bold Stevens, Amy Wright, Bell Carr, Billy Stevens, James Alfred, Mio Ross, Carol Walker, Catfish Munn, Renee Cox, um, <coughs> John Prince, William Boggs, Josh Boggs, Claire Beth Claxon, Morgan McCalvin, David Rock, Wanda Meehan, Hunter Green, Louise Morris, Jeremiah Stone, Sherry Neese, Boyd Ratliff, David Evans, Gene Cox, Jennifer Dickerson, William Dean, Sandy Stevens, Hillary Clayton, and Davey Raven. And uh, let's see here on our cancer list. We have Bert Hamilton, Tareen Tackett, Jesse Hamlin, Wesley Keenan, Tim Jesse, Mark McKinney, Brian Greenhill, Daryl Fetters, Becca Cochran, Carol Borders, Briar Howell, Susie Rice, Mark Harris, Loretta Burton, Bobby Mays, Sherry Horsley, Trevor Burgess, uh, let's see, uh, Baxter Villa, and Renee gave me a note here that says uh, that, you know, two names that we're getting ready to read here, Deborah Jones and Brenda Green, said they both need special prayer tonight, so just, uh, I guess those two ladies have been on this prayer list cancel this for quite some time, and I know that, I know the Green lady's been pretty low, so be much in prayer for them, no doubt, families too behind the scenes here. <coughs> So pray for Debbie Jones, uh, Carol, Connie Carroll, Randy Helton, Brenda Green, with Tim Underwood, Bobby Fletcher, Calvin Prince, Wayne Barnett, Seth Pack, Scott Woods, Vernon K. Conley, Cecil Atkins. And uh, also pray for our missionaries, Austin Waver, pray for national leaders, our police, the elderly, church ministries, pray for our pastor and church and teachers, and the students, pray for Israel and Ukraine. The military, we have Riley Ham, Bailey Walker, Cal Stewart, Nick Guido, Zach Rye. Wade Coffee, Andrew Howe, and Kendrick Pope. <clears throat> You're only expecting us to have Olivia Evans. Also, continue to pray for those storm victims. And uh, also, the families, you know, the uh, two teens were killed there from West Carter in you know, a car crash. So, be much in prayer for those families. That's what I told the kids, you know, the you know, families just devastated in just, just one crash. You know, two families lost their teenagers. So, be much in prayer for these families and give God give them grace. going to sing extra loud. They're singing 294, I think it is. 294. Maybe we should say anybody feel like a kid at heart. <laughs> Brother John didn't jump. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll take it. All right, so 294. Are when he cometh, when he cometh to make up his jewels, all his jewels, precious jewels. 
Jesus loves me, yes I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little loves me, me wrong. they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. He's the apple of my eye. 
I go walking through the bennies when the grapes are growing high. He's so plum and tearful, and that's the way the one. I just go banana for my boy. Amen. Thank the Lord for our young people. May God continue to bless us is our prayer. I want you to turn your Bibles this evening to the book of John. John in chapter 17. We are going to be looking at the actual prayer of the Lord this evening. But I want to only spend this time on one particular subject that's found within this context in this prayer. And this is a prayer that Jesus Christ uttered. And, you know, you hear people say all the time, you know, uh, about the model prayer was saying that was the Lord's Prayer. This is actually the Lord's Prayer. But within the prayer that our Savior gave to His Heavenly Father, there is one thing in particular I want to bring out tonight because I was talking to another individual earlier in the week and we were talking about this subject. And I know within the confines of this prayer... This subject that we were talking about comes up seven times. Now, of course, you know that seven is a number of completeness, completeness and it is the, the number of perfection. And when we think about what we're going to be covering tonight, you have to understand that God has never been taken by surprise by anything or anybody. Tonight, in verse 1, the Bible says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. And now, Father, and now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self and with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto, unto the men, which thou hast given me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to Thee, Holy Father. Keep through Thine own name those whom Thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy, in thy name. Those that Thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee. And these things I speak in the world 
that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and thy world, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through the truth, thy truth, thy word is truth. And as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. And they also may be one of us in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, as he begins to conclude his prayer, on behalf of his children, on behalf of the sheep that he came to die for. He says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. I want to bring a message tonight on the seven instances of Christ's declaration of predestination. Predestination is one of those hated doctrines that the Baptists have always stood for since the days of Christ and the apostles of old. As a matter of fact, predestination goes all the way back through the Old Testament. In Jeremiah 31, 3, the Bible says, as, Jesus, as the Lord was speaking to the children, He says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. That means that he loved them before the foundation of the world. I had planned on speaking on two different doctrines tonight. But after I listened to a, a great documentary today on Amazing Grace, I know that half of this message had to be cut in two. And my wife said, well, they'll be happy for that. I don't know if you will or not. <laughs> but I did cut this message in two. I actually, I actually have a whole page here that's been marked out because I want to save that for another lesson on irresistible grace. You see, these are two sister doctrines that have to be brought together in a way that performs the Word of God that He has given to His Son. The Bible teaches us here in these few verses of Scripture, as I said, there are seven instances where, as Jesus Christ prayed, He also made known the fact that His Father, the God of heaven, gave the redeemed unto him now again this is one of those doctrines that people hate and people hate the baptist for now i brought a couple of messages two or three messages on defenders of the faith and folks that's one of those things that i believe that god's people have got to stand for 
I believe we have to defend the faith. We have to defend the scriptures that lay out pretty, pretty plain for us in this one chapter, this one prayer, seven different times that God was said to have given His Son those whom He went to die for. Emmanuel again tonight's study deals with the unequivocal proofs of predestination unto salvation. Within one chapter of God's amazing account of His divinely determinate counsel, within the account given in the Lord's true prayer, there is absolutely no doubt or there can be no misinterpretation of what God's Word is saying. Tonight as we look at these seven instances, I read, I rehearsed them over in your minds again because it says to as many as thou hast given him. There in verse number one. In verse number six, which thou gavest me out of the world, but of them which thou hast given me. In verse number nine, again, here you see something else that I think is very important. He says, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And then in verse number 11, he states again, I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. You know, I can go on and on and... and, and and actually what you see in this prayer are three distinct doctrines that need to be taught. The keeping power of the Almighty. Listen, I want you to know that is something that will be mentioned in a, in a, in a study yet to come. But we are kept by the power of God. And Romans in chapter 8 tells us very plainly that there's absolutely no possibility that anything or anybody or any power can take away the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, that great salvation that we enjoy today. So as we deal with these great truths, we have, to, we have to come to this conclusion that God's Word is true. Listen, again, I know in the side of the Armenian, this is something that they hate. There's a lot of so-called Baptists tonight that hate these old truths. There's a lot of so-called uh, 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 brothers in Christ that, that absolutely cannot stand the fact that you preach on irresistible grace. But I want you to know something. When God comes dealing with you, it's not that He's trying to save you. He is going to save you if He's ever dealt with your soul to begin with. You cannot thwart God's power. You cannot do away with His determinate counsel. Therefore, you have to understand that God's Word is true and it is so, and regardless of what the Armenian will say, listen, I am not in charge of my salvation. My Heavenly Father's in charge of my salvation. Amen. We are not in charge of anything. As a matter of fact, if we are left to ourselves, what does the Bible say? We'll go on into darkness even deeper. Why? Because we are totally depraved from the very core of our essence. So tonight we understand that, that we have been given to, the heavenly, to, to our Savior by the Heavenly Father. <clears throat> it goes on to say, Those that thou gavest me I have kept. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me. These are phrases that you cannot deny. And yet, People in the Armenian side will deny this at every turn because they want to be in charge of their own salvation. They want to feel like they have arrived or done something 
in order to gain what God says I'm given. These phrases should leave no doubt in the saints' eyes and mind that it had to be predetermined before the before the beforehand that we should be to God's glory and be God's own divine elect. Tonight I want to look at these phrases and stop to consider if it had not been for the amazing grace that was so eloquently put forth in that documentary today. Brother Grant, I want you to know something. I thank God for that. I, uh, it's something that I've been looking forward to. Uh, you know, it was said uh, one day when folks were leaving the church house that, listen, uh, they're going to be doing some documentary work. They're probably going to ask you a question about Amazing Grace. And I thought, well, that would be great. I never got that, that, that question. I was talking to Grant about that. But you know what? At the front of that, I was preaching on Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When we go back and we think about that amazing grace, and we think about the, that, that, that astonishing power that came to rest upon us, it was all because something that happened well before the foundation of the world. That's the reason why that I thank God for Jeremiah 31.3. For the Bible says, as God spoke to the children of Israel, He says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. And folks, I want you to know something. We, the Gentiles, have been grafted into that family. That's the ones that He says here in verse uh, number 20, I believe it is, if I see correctly without my glasses. That is the verse that talks about the fact that there are those that are yet to come. That's you and I tonight. He says, I'm praying for them also. Those whom thou hast given me. For thine they were. Folks, I, I, I just rejoice in the fact that my salvation did not rest upon my laurels. It did not rest upon my works. As a matter of fact, the Bible says about my works that they're nothing but filthy rags in the sight of the holy God of heaven. So how could my works save me or do anything for me? Trying to look over my notes real quick to see which ones that have been marked out. Because again, I do not I really don't want to entangle these two doctrines. I want I want them brought out separately. And as I as I look at irresistible grace and the fact that we were given to Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. Folks, I'll tell you tonight, I cannot help but be amazed in that great salvation. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 6 for just a moment, and we'll read some of this. And I want you, to, I want you, to, I want you tonight to just rejoice in what God has done for you. Now listen, and I want you to know something. This is not... When you come to the doctrine of election and predestination and irresistible grace, these are doctrines that cannot be instilled upon the lost sinner because they have no idea whatsoever what this means. As a matter of fact, according to the lost sinner, this is one of these are the doctrines that make them so angry because they are excluding in their in their essence. But when you think about it, the Bible teaches us that all we were like sheep and had gone astray. Every last one of us, according to David in the Psalms, states that we were born and shapen in iniquity and in sin did our mothers conceive us. Therefore, sin is passed upon all men because all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. So, being left to ourselves, you're never going to come to the good. Being left to yourself, you're only going to go deeper into darkness and you're never going to come to the light. That's a reason why when you think about it, 
You think about our salvation. You think about how God <clears throat> did not elect people to go to hell, but He did elect them to go to heaven. We were all going to hell. That's one thing that needs to be understood. We were all steeped in sin. We were all, uh, as it says in Romans in chapter 3, we were all on our way to the devil's hell. But God in His grace, that amazing grace, Brother Grant, that amazing grace that changed my life was that one thing that I could not do without, nor could I do to add anything to it. God's amazing grace. In John chapter 6, again in verse 37, notice what it says here. All that the Father giveth me. Now, I want to stop with that phrase, and I want you to get a hold of this, because there is no denying it. God is the one who has given us to His Son, and His Son purchased us, with his own blood. Again, the Bible says this, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You know why? Because he was one that was given by God the Father. And he's not going to cast that away. You know why? Because he said, I have paid for their sin debt. Folks, I mean, I don't know about you, but if there's anything that will grant revival to a, to a cold-hearted, saved sinner, it has to be the recognition that we had nothing to do with our salvation, that it all started before the foundation of the earth as what I like to call the council halls of eternity. God's determinate council had determined that there was going to be some that he was going to redeem out of the land of the, of the dead. And his son was going to come and die on that cross to pay their sin debt because he had already given them to his son. Only, the only thing that, needed, that had to be done was to, that we would be redeemed by the blood. And that, that word redeemed is a is a term that, that, that uh, would include the fact that we have been repurchased, so to speak. We have been bought back. How's that? You see, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, it did not take God by surprise. This was all part of his, and you know, I hear people say, all the, well, why didn't God stop that from happening? You know, the only thing I can say, and this is the, and this is the honest truth, it's not a cop-out. The only thing I can say is, the reason why God didn't stop it, because he was going to get glory through it one day. That's all you can say. God did not cause that sin but God did allow. You see, when you get into the determinate counsel the, and the, you know, the, the will of God, it's another whole study altogether. You have the, the permissible will of God. You have the determinate counsel and His will. You have that. These are things that God allows to come to pass in His permissible will. To bring about his determined decree concerning his creation. And that's about the best way I can put that. John chapter 10 verse 27 says about the sheep. That they follow him. Why do they do that? Because God had gave them to the shepherd. Now. It's the same today. It's, 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 you go to the Middle East today and you look upon the hills of, of Jerusalem or, or some of those other places where in Palestine where, where the sheep are being, are, are being grazed and you have several men that are out there on that hillside. All the sheep are running together. Now get this. All the sheep are running together. Okay, this is where we're at in, in salvation. We were all born in sin. 
The Bible says sin is passed upon all men, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all the sheep have run together. They're the lost sheep. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Do you know that every one of those sheep out there on those hillsides know exactly who their shepherd is? Every last one of them. You may have, you may have 500 sheep out there in this one location. You may have uh, uh, eight or nine different shepherds. And that one calls them sheep of his home. You know what? Only his sheep's going to come. It's an amazing concept of what happens in our salvation. When the good shepherd calls his sheep home, listen, the Bible says they come willingly unto him. Why? Because they belong to the shepherd. Now, I'm almost getting into that irresistible grace point, but... I still stand amazed at the seven times that Jesus Christ states that God gave us to Him in this one chapter, in this one prayer. I mean, it's, it's, it's right here. I've got it written down. If you, need to, if you need to look at it, you come and look at it. You come and look at my Bible or you can look at my notes. These seven things <clears throat> prove that we have been given to the, to the Savior, the shepherd of the sheep. It's not like it was a, just a special gift to Him. He purchased us. And that makes us that much more special to Him. Listen, what happens if you give somebody something all the time? What happens? What happens to that demeanor of that individual who's always given everything? It isn't very long that they don't appreciate nothing. But listen, God says, my son's going to pay for you. My son's going to redeem you. He's going to buy you back, which is what redemption is all about. He's going to buy you back because I have given you unto him. And folks, to me, I mean, that just, that just excites me beyond measure. He didn't, have to, he didn't have to choose me. I'm just blessed. I mean, I, I'm more than blessed. Out of all the world, out of all the inhabitants that have ever been born into this world, from Adam, from Adam and Eve's loins all the way to the latest child that was just brought into this world, I stand amazed that God... Chose me out of all his creation. Am I mad because, you know, some people act like they're mad because of election. Folks, I want you to know something. I'm not mad. I'm blessed. And I thank God that he, that he pulled me up out of the miry pit. Amen. I thank God that I, that I do not have to suffer the wrath of a sin-hating God. I thank God that Jesus Christ paid my sin debt at Calvary. yes. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Folks, I want you to know something. Now, I thank God that He placed me in His family. It wasn't my doing. I wasn't saved because of something that I earned or something I deserved. I'm saved because God in His grace and His mercy reached down and got a hold of me and said, my son's going to pay your sin debt and set me up on a rock. Now, if that don't make you happy, maybe you've got deeper problems than you realize. Now listen, if you're saved and you don't, just don't understand that concept, that's fine. But you learn it. You know it. You understand that God's right here in, in John chapter 17, as Jesus Christ was praying for those whom he had died for, for those whom he was going to die for, excuse me, I want you to know that the Bible says very plainly that God the Father had given them unto him. 
Again, I know there's people that, that hate the Baptists because of this old truth. And I know Baptist preachers scared to death to preach it. As a matter of fact, I know Baptist preachers who will not preach on irresistible grace. They don't want to call it that. I thought, well, what, what do you want to call it? I'm going to cover, I, I, I've, I've got to, I've done it once before on uh, the, the doctrines of grace. I'm going to cover that again. You know that little word we, that we brought out, tulip. You remember that? It's been years ago that I brought that out. And I'm going to bring that out again. I think that's what I'm going to start doing in addition to this doctrinal study because I think it's needed today's church. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm a Bibleist. Uh, you know, I've been called. I've been called a Calvinist because I stand for the doctrines of grace. Yeah, there's five points to the doctrines of grace that is brought out by the Baptists. But don't call me a Calvinist. I have nothing to do with John Calvin. But I do enjoy the Word of God. Some of the doctrines that he taught were right. Now, I'm not a hyper-Calvinist. Now, a hyper-Calvinist is one of those that will sit there on that pew and never tell nobody about Jesus. That's what you call hyper-Calvinist because he believes that, yeah, they're going to be saved. They're going to be saved anyway. No, they're not going to be saved anyway. They're going to be saved the Lord's way, and that's through the preaching of the gospel. Does the gospel alone save? No, the gospel alone does not save. But it is the power of God unto salvation. You say, well, how can you say that? Because it takes the preaching of the gospel. That's what the Holy Spirit uses to quicken and make alive an individual. So I can preach the gospel, and I have preached the gospel every Sunday for years. Is somebody saved every Sunday? No, they're not. So the power does not rest alone in the gospel, but in the deliverance of the Spirit as He quickens the heart and makes that individual alive so they can understand what the gospel is. It is the power of God unto salvation to those that what? Believe. There's the key to the gospel of salvation. Tonight, we're going to close right there. Because if I go any further, I'm going to get into a message that I really want to share with you later on. Irresistible grace. Folks, I want you to know something. I remember when the Holy Spirit began to work on me. It wasn't that He was trying to save me. You know, you hear that so often. The Lord's trying to save you, but you won't let Him. Let me tell you something. When the Lord begins to work in you, you cannot but help trust Him. Ain't that right, Brother Gary? Brother Gary, I'll never forget when I was preaching on uh, curiosity. Curiosity. That was when uh, Zacchaeus was curious enough to climb a tree. You know, I remember that message and I remember the, I remember the very moment that Brother Gary come up, come up out of that aisle. It was because he had heard the gospel for the first time. Why was he here? Maybe it was curiosity about everything that was going on in the church. I don't know. But God had a way of getting His attention. And that's what He does. That's what irresistible grace does. It gets your attention and it will not let you go. It isn't God trying to save you. Listen, I, I think it was Brother Jim that said this the best. I remember when I first came here. You know, we, we had this thing... And somebody had made the remark that the Lord's knocking on your door. I remember the next Sunday, Brother Jim brought a lesson that God wasn't, if God's knocking at your door, if it takes knocking it down to get your attention, He'll do it. Amen. He's not trying to get your attention. He'll get your attention. May God help us is our prayer. Let's all stand, please. Again, I, I just... Uh, Probably a good thing I cut half of that message off. It's just, it's already been a half an hour. <laughs> but at any rate, I, I look forward to our, our next discussion on this topic of this wonderful doctrine of irresistible grace. May God, may God use it.
Now listen, we have lost young people. We have lost young adults that come to this house all the time. May God use that irresistible drawing power. May God put the hooks in the heart of our, of our flesh and draw us unto Him. May the Lord bring salvation is our prayer. Heavenly Father, dear God, tonight as we bow in Your presence, we do thank You, Father, for the, for the knowledge of knowing that You are the one that gave us to Your Son and He purchased us at Calvary. Lord, I thank you for your great salvation. I just pray that you'll continue to bless, bring salvation to this house. And help your children, Lord, to grow in the truth and the spirit and knowledge of thy word. Father, I pray that you'll give us everything we need to teach others. The gainsayers, those who refuse to, to just listen. Lord, give us the wherewithal to instruct them in the way of righteousness. Bless us tonight, dear God. Save souls and save lives. Forgive us our sin in Christ's name. And amen. Have our song leader to come.